Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and our word on KCB 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Our guest. Uh has written a new book. A lot of people know him already from uh, the Garrison uh, tapes and different different other. He has a lot of history, um, but the new book, "Your Mother's Not a Virgin." And it's the bumpy life and times of a Canadian dropout who changed the face of American TV. His name's John Barber. Uh, thank you for joining us today, John. Oh, Al, I am delighted to be with you and Julie, and I'm also delighted on, to be on a show that could be called the Honest Warren Report. So how are you today? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. He's working it. No, actually, you know, um, I'm doing okay. Uh, like I said, uh, back in the saddle. Been off a couple of weeks, touring and looking, uh, doing a... Uh, and what what is the book you're writing? Uh, I'm writing about a... Um, it's a very, very interesting case. It's a murder case that happened in Canada. Uh, the Wells Gray Park murders in 1982. And um, this man... Uh, came across six campers and uh, killed them and uh, burned them. And uh, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he got put in prison. And uh, uh, anyway... I detect, a, I detect a Canadian accent. Are you Canadian? Yes, I am. I'm both. Uh, but, yeah, I have a Canadian that comes out when I've been... Uh, I've been around. <laughs> oh, wow. The, the, the story sounds absolutely... Totally and interesting. So you're sort of lucky the way I am because I had a tough time becoming an American citizen. But when I became American citizen, I also found out that in Canada they allowed you to be a dual citizen. So like you, I am a dual citizen. Oh, exactly. It's great. Uh, the, the thing with me, I was born to uh, an American mother. 
and so that give me the advantage of both. I always say I'm like uh, uh, Ted Cruz, but I'm nice. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, uh, the southern people there, they get mad at me. But, uh, you know, you know, what can you do? Um, so, yeah, so now what What was the desire for you uh, to go down to the U.S.? Like when you say you were a Canadian dropout and you went to the States, what, what made you do that? Like what, what about the States was so exciting? Well, it wasn't Canada and it wasn't <laughs> my home. Uh, I came from, I was born in a Salvation Army charity ward in Toronto. I was uh, an accidental child, and when I was born, I found out I was an unwanted child. And from the age that I was almost six, I mean, I came from a really dysfunctional family uh, long before it was popular. And from the age I was six, I was like David Copperfield. I was out on the streets for the most part. And in 1939, when I was six, to get away from this home, my father joined the Canadian Army to go to the peace and quiet of World War II. And then uncles came into my life like grapes. They came in bunches and took my mother away wherever they went to do whatever it is that they did. So I, I spent, when I was not at the St. John's Reformatory on, on a rink because I was a hockey junkie, I was at a uh, the Manor Theater on Kingston Road for five cents watching double features. Uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington starring Jimmy Stewart. I fell in love with the Frank Capra movies. Therefore, I fell in love with America. And then you may recall Lorne Green was the voice of the CBC, and he used to tell stories. And as a kid, I used to listen to him. This is long before he became Ben Cartwright on Bananas, and then I used to spend the time in the library. There was a famous Canadian writer, Gordon Sinclair. Not only did I read him, I read his stories to the class when I was a kid. I dropped out of uh, high school when I was 15. I got in trouble with the law. A number of times was arrested and convicted of felonies. And then at 17 years of age, uh, I had become a professional gambler. From the ages of 15 to 17, I taught myself to be a professional gambler, and I decided to go to the United States and to Las Vegas because that's the Vatican. That's where you go. And so I went to Buffalo, and I walked across the bridge. When I got on the other side, they said, how long are you staying? I said, two days. And I stayed almost two years, was arrested the first time and deported. But anyway... Interesting story. On the way to uh, Las Vegas, the train I was on had an accident in northern Nevada. And I thought the immigration department had called the railroad company to say that, hey, there's a kid, John Barber, on the train. you got to stop it. we got to get him back to, the, they get back to Canada. So I didn't know the reason for the stoppage, but that, that's why I thought they stopped. So I hopped off the train. And the nearest town I could get to, Al, was uh, Lake Tahoe. So I took a bus to Lake Tahoe. I'm 17 years of age, and if you look at the cover of the book, do you have the book with you? I do. Well, you see that cover? That is me uh, at 17 years of age with this a very expensive blue suit on, and I'm wearing a Stetson hat so that I look like I have cattle. And so that I look like I'm over 21 so that I 
can gamble. That was taken in front of the old um, uh, Bugsy Siegel Flamingo Hotel. But that's how I was dressed when I walked into the Cal Neva Lodge at 17 years of age. And now I am totally stunned because, Al, it looks like a set designed by MGM in one of those great Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland musicals that I used to watch as a kid. And for an hour, I just walked around and watched these fabulous people gambling and drinking and having a good time. And then I wanted to test my skills at the crap table. Now, I was afraid that they would spot that I'm only 17 years of age, but I looked older, so nobody bothered me. But after about 25 minutes, people started looking my way. I didn't realize it, but I had my back to the front door of the Calneva Lodge. What they were looking at was actually past me. Soon, everybody in the whole casino stopped. People at the bar, people everywhere stopped. And I thought at first they were staring at me. I thought I was too young. But they weren't, so I turned around to see what they were looking at. And guess what they were looking at? They were looking at Frank Sinatra walking through the front door with his top coat over his shoulders like an Italian Superman, and he was arm in arm with Sam John Connor, who was a Chicago mafia chieftain I just read about on the train coming down, and they were surrounded by three Italian Praetorian guard, and they walked past me. Now, the interesting thing, more than interesting thing, a week before, I saw MGM's The Jerome Kern Story, and there was this phenomenal shot, very famous, and you're probably familiar with it, Frank Sinatra standing on a white pedestal about 25 feet tall in a white tuxedo singing Old Man River almost as beautifully as Paul Robeson. And he walked right past me. And little would I know that 25 years later, I would be his private writer for four and a half years. Wow. Now, was Frank Sinatra your favorite celebrity that you ever met or knew? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I talk about so many of them in the book. I mean, Muhammad Ali. I put Muhammad Ali on television for an hour in 1970 when the only one in America who would put him on television was Howard Cosell. Do you remember Howard Cosell, the sportscaster? Oh, yeah, I do. And, and Muhammad... Okay, there you go. He was the only one who gave Muhammad Ali airtime because nine, now everybody now looks at Muhammad Ali as a hero. But in 1970, they want him shot or hung as a traitor because he said publicly... He would risk going to jail rather than going to Vietnam to shoot yellow people who were never a problem to him. The only problem to him were white people in the United States. I, and Jane Fonder, who was called Hanoi Jane, uh, Bob Hope, I just, uh, uh, Dean Martin, I was on Dean Martin's show a number of times on the Tonight Show. There are so many stories about so many unbelievable celebrities in this book. And all of this happened to me, Al, honest to God, by accident. Here, how is it possible that a kid with my background, who's arrested a number of times, who is deported twice, ends up changing the face of American television by creating the first reality show, Real People, 
the highest rated show in American history. We used to get half of all the audiences watching television sets for three years, much more than All in the Family or Sanford and Son. How does that happen? How does he become accidentally the writer for four and a half years for Sinatra and then chosen by Jim Garrison on his deathbed to be the one to tell his story the only person to whom, whom he revealed his entire case after he lost the Clayshaw trial in 1970, and he picked me over Oliver Stone, who was making his great movie, JFK, at the time. And I must tell you, Al, all of this happened to me by accident. Now, I'm a total non-believer, but somehow or other, it's almost as though my life was divinely planned over my own objections because all the disasters that happened to me were those things that I planned really well. So any questions that you and Julie might have and want to ask me about anything, I'd be more than happy to talk about. Okay, John. So um, if I may ask you a question. So you've spoken um, quite a lot about celebrity meetings and um, your influence and their influence on you. What's what's the what's the biggest relevance of that for you? So I know you talk about an accident, um, and you know potentially it's fate. It's all it's all kind of planned somewhere along the line. But what's the relevance of all of those meetings? What what is the the ultimate learning you've had from them? Well, it's it's not some well, the, Julie. The things I learned about them there are things that are phenomenal. Things that people do not know. I mean, the stories about Muhammad Ali in the book, you know, when I had him on, as a guest on the show, and one of the few people who had put him on the air, this fellow that was opposed to this illegal war in Vietnam, I asked him when he was a young man, as Cassius Clay, who his heroes were. Now, I thought he was going to say Paul Robeson or Jackie Robinson or Joe Lewis, but it wasn't. It was a white man, and these stories are revealed in the book, and they're scores and scores of them so the thing with me is that i was always interested as a child what kept me going julie was reading and listening to stories now that i'm older with this book your mother's not a virgin and i'm telling you the best book ever about anybody in show business it's the telling of stories that keep me alive now now of course the most interesting story is that of yours truly how does this kid with this David Copperfield background all of a sudden go from this Canadian rags to American Riches story? It's all in the book, and along the way are these dozens and dozens of other stories. And the most profound, I came across dozens and dozens of profound stories about famous people. Jerry Lewis, the real truth behind the muscular dystrophy telethon. Bob Hope, how Bob Hope happened to become one of the richest entertainers in the world. All of these things happen, were revealed to me by them because they liked me because I was a storyteller. But the title of the book came from an accidental conversation with Jim Garrison. When John Kennedy was killed, a company in America that could only own five television or five radio stations. The worst president in American history, and this is not an opinion, this is a fact, 
and every political scientist in America says the same thing. The worst president was Bill Clinton. George Bush may have destroyed Iraq. Bill Clinton destroyed America. First of all, he signed NAFTA, which sent all the jobs overseas. Secondly, he repealed something called Glass-Steagall. This was an act enacted by FDR to save American capitalism from socialism and to prevent the bankers from gambling with our money. And that was repealed by Bill Clinton, and in 2008, it created the worst recession in America since the 30s, and I lost a million-dollar home, and millions of people lost their homes. Nobody went to prison. But the worst thing he did was in the 1960s, he signed the Communications Act. It put 95% of all American media in the hands of six corporations. And they are all shills for the government and the military-industrial complex. Now, if Donald Trump wants to make America great again, all he has to do is sign an executive order like George Bush did when he went into Iraq and reverse the Communications Act and put it, all the media back into the hands of 1,500 people. They say it's the public airways, but you and I know it's the corporate airways, and so far the president has nothing done nothing about the fake news that he has revealed. But in any event, in 1967, Jim Garrison arrested Clay Shaw and charged him with conspiracy to murder John F. Kennedy as the handler of Lee Harvey Oswald. Now, he announced on national television that he had solved the case and there would be convictions. Everybody poo-pooed him. The government attacked him. The media attacked him, said he was a kook. He had nothing. He had nothing. And I kept saying as a street kid, Julie, well, listen, if he has nothing, why don't they let him get into a courtroom and fall on his face? But instead, they stopped him for two years. Then on January 29th, there you go, serendipity in my life. January 29th, the birthday of my son, the child I never wanted because my parents were alcoholics. I didn't know what kind of father I was going to be, and I accidentally had a son, which turned out to be the greatest blessing in my life. January 29th, 1969, he is born, and Jim Garrison takes Clayshaw into court. And in a short order, he loses the conspiracy charge. But that's not the charge he was really after. He was after the perjury charge. And he won the perjury charge, and no one ever heard or read about that because they suppressed the truth of it. And then the government stepped in and stopped the perjury charge, and Clay Shaw would have wound up 99 years in prison with all the evidence they had. A fellow named James Whalen was paid $25,000 by the CIA and Clay Shaw to murder Jim Garrison. All the testimony is there, and they could not allow him to get into court. Otherwise, they would have won. And in the second movie I did, called The American Media and the Second Assassination of President John F. Kennedy, there is a memo from the CIA dated 1967 saying we must get legal help for Clay Shaw, otherwise Jim Garrison is going to win this case. So at worst, they were, they were inhibiting a legal investigation. They could have been charged with obstruction of justice. So anyway, 
he loses the case. Now, in 1970, I end up getting the first news show on ABC in Los Angeles in the morning. And the reason this came about, Julie and Al, is because in those days, because a company could not own many stations, minority groups around the country could challenge their license. And 20,000 Chicanos in L.A. marched on the streets to challenge ABC's license. And so they got rid of their programming, which is cartoons and movies, and decided to do a new show for the Chicanos and for the FCC. They auditioned 40 people, 10 of them famous Chicanos. And for some reason, I got the job. Now, at the time, I was a successful stand-up comic. I was Bob Goulet's opening act in Las Vegas. I was Bobby Darren's opening act. I was on the Dean Martin show a number of times, and they hired me. And in five months, we had a show equal to the Today Show. So anyway, the uh, the case of uh, Clay Shaw is over with. And I'm just a news person, and I've forgotten all about it. I have no interest in the assassination at all. And then one day I'm in a bookstore on Hollywood Boulevard. It's called Edmund's Bookstore, Used Books. And there is a used book, and it's called Heritage of Stone. And I look at the title, and the title is, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jim Garrison? Is that the DA? So, Julie, I pick up the book, and I'm there four hours reading the entire book, and I'm stunned because now I'm reading the truth about the trial. You've heard of the Zabruder film? Mm-hmm. Well, nobody heard of the Zabruder film because it was owned by Time Life. Jim Garrison had to sue Time Life to get the Supreme Court to order them to uh, order them to release the film to Garrison so he could show it to a jury, because nobody had seen the truth of the Zabruder film. They believed the lie that Dan Rather told when he said the gunshot hits him in the back of the head, and the and President Kennedy flies forward. It was only years later on Geraldo Rivera's late night show that we saw the actual film in which it was shot in the front and thrown backwards. So in any event, there's a Dr. Fink who says they're never allowed to perform the autopsy of Bethesda. They weren't allowed to look at films or, or, or x-rays or anything. And if you look at the Warren report and try to find pictures of the autopsy or x-rays, you won't find them. You know what you find? You find cartoon drawings, pencil drawings of a bullet going through the back of President Kennedy's head. So indeed, it looks like the entire Warren Commission is drawn up by Mad Magazine. So what do I do? I call Mr. Garrison to book book him on the show. And he says, you'll never get away with it. I said, Mr. Garrison, I just read your book, and I'm going to book you on the show. And he laughed, and he said, oh, you must be the other one, because it only sold two copies. But indeed, it was a bestseller. He said, they will never let me on television in this country. Have you ever seen me on television? And I said, well, only once late night on NBC. He said, that's right, because they had charged them with fraud, and they had to give me time. So in any event, he agrees to do the show. And while we're talking, he says, you know, John, it's 1970." seven years after they murdered our only peace president, John Kennedy. And that is how Mr. Garrison always referred to President Kennedy 
as our only peace president. And he said, you know, that 81% of all Americans today do not believe the Warren Report or that Oswald acted alone. And I said, well, Mr. Garrison, if so many people know, why isn't more being done about it? And he said, well, wait till you hear the second question. This will tell you what it says about the cowardice of the American people. And I said, what is that? He said, the second question to these people in the survey was, would you like to see a more serious investigation into the murder of John Kennedy that it would also investigate the CIA and the FBI? And he said only 21% said yes. And I said to him, Mr. Garrison, I know what that says to me. It says to me that I know what my mother and father did on the pool table or in the rumble seat of the car or in the back alley in the bedroom. But don't ever tell me my mother's not a virgin. And he howled. And he said, that reminds me of, uh, that reminds me of Mark Twain, America's greatest writer, who said, it is easier to fool people than to convince them that they have been fooled. And, John, we've been fooled about the murder of John Kennedy since November 22nd, 1963. And that's how the title of the book came about, by accident. So, And I'm really pleased you just said that, actually, because um, I asked you about the prevalence of the book, what it, what it was for, what it kind of meant to you or, or, or people reading it. And you, you in brief, told us that it, it was there to educate people in some of the stories that they wouldn't have heard anywhere else. And, um, and then came round to the, the book title and by accident. So that, that led me really to start thinking about your own beliefs, John. What, what do you believe in life? Do you think that life is uh, meant to be? Is it fate? Is it written for you? Or do you genuinely believe these things are... Well, two, two, things I'll, two things I'll say, Julie. First of all, I will add that immediately after I booked Mr. Garrison, I was fired from the number one show in California, and he was canceled. And I talked to him twice only on the phone during Vietnam and Watergate, Watergate, a lot of names came up that were involved in Dallas, and then I tried to tell a story again on network television when I had Real People, the number one show in the country, and again, I was fired fired from that. Now, when I was fired from the first time, Julie, I never thought anything about conspiracies and the government. I was struggling to become an American citizen. I love the country. I know everything about the history of the country, the founding fathers, the intellectual founder, Thomas Paine the son of an English shoemaker, for crying out loud, and Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States, the most intellectual president we had since John King. I knew everything about the country. I loved the country, okay, so I never would doubt the government. I'm in show business. In show business, you have a job for 13 weeks or so. But I'm going to say something about belief. And it may shock you, and I don't want to offend you, or I don't want to offend any of your listeners, but I must tell you, I am the only... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips and adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Only person I know who has an absolutely and total open mind. Now, a lot of people say my mind might be open because it's empty. (laughs) Well, it is empty. It's empty of beliefs. Julie, I believe in absolutely nothing. Let's say you believe in God and somebody like Christopher Hitchens, a, a really smart intellectual, comes along and he can give you arguments why there may not be a God. You won't listen to him. You will shut him down. Or let's say that uh, you're an atheist and somebody like me comes along and I tell these stories of things that happened to me that looked like my life was divine intervention. You're not going to listen to it. If you like Trump and somebody comes along and tells you and proves to you what a jerk he is, you're not going to listen. Or let's say that you hate Trump and somebody comes along and said, hey, this is what he's doing good. You're not going to listen. I either know something or I don't know something. And I'm going to tell you how I lost my belief. I was 12 years of age, living almost alone on the streets. And I went to a friend of mine. His name was Don Lee. The story's in the book. Don Lee came from the only family that I knew that was loved. They lived on Scarborough Road, right across from the Baptist Church, and the reason that they moved there is so they could go to the church. I went to them one day when my mother ran off to Buffalo with one of my drunken uncles, and I asked the family to adopt me, and they laughed at me, and they said, no, we can't adopt you. you got a mother. Well, I was a smart-mouthed kid, and I said, oh, do you want me to prove to you that I don't? Come on over to my house. 
there's no mother in my house. And they said, no, but we would like to take you to church. Have you ever been to church? And I said, not that I know of. And they gave me a book. And I said, what's this? And he says, it's a Bible. And we would like you to read the Bible, and we would like it if you would like to come to us every uh, Sunday to church. So I went home, and I read the Bible. And I memorized the Bible all the way from Genesis to Revelations. I could quote it. I could quote it for years and years and years. And for 12 weeks, every Sunday, I went to the Baptist church with them, and they had a very smart minister. And the smart minister would stop in the middle of everything, and he'd say, now is the private time for you and God in the house of God to talk to God and pray to God for something that you want or something that you need. And, of course, what it was that I wanted and needed, I wanted my father to be home. And after uh, the prayers and after the church, I never went to the to the house with the Lees to have lunch. I used to rush home, open the door, and look for my father. And, of course, he was never there. So the 13th week, and when he said, it's time to have your private prayer, I just got up in this very quiet church and noisily walked out and sat on the front steps. Well, everybody saw me, and he saw me. So after church, he came out, and he put his hand on my shoulders. And I must tell you, Julie, I almost cried because it was the first time anybody had ever touched me. And he said, John, are you okay? And I said, yes. And he said, what's wrong? And I said, sir, I don't think this is for me. And he said, what's not for you? And I said, this praying business. And he said, what do you mean? And he said, you know, well, I pray here in the house of God because I don't pray at home because I wet the bed. And I don't want God to know that I'm in a, in a room that smells. I want him to listen to what I'm saying. So I save it every Sunday and I say it here. But he is never home when I get home. And he said, well, you have to understand God's will. Julie, I don't know where it came from, but I just blurted out, sir, I don't think I'm in his will. Well, the crowd laughed. And all of a sudden he looked at me and he said, John, be careful of Satan. And everybody got quiet now because he's admonishing me because I might be letting Satan into my life. I don't know where this came from. I said, do you believe there's a Satan? And he said, absolutely. And I said, well, isn't that proof that God does not exist? And I'm 12 years old. And he said, how dare you say that? I said, well, if God is almighty, just get rid of him. Out of the mouths of babes. And you know, Mark Twain said, it's easier to fool people and to convince them that they have been fooled. And we've been fooled about a lot of things from politics to religion all our lives. And that's how I became a non-believer. But I must tell you this. Divine things that I cannot understand. There are laws at work in the universe. I mean, it's even in Hamlet, for crying out loud, where they say, Laertes, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophies. We live in an electric universe. Everything in the universe gives off electricity from an acorn to you and I. There are some people, that means we're designed as transmitters and receivers. There are some people who are so attuned, they might be able to read other people's thoughts. These are people who might be psychics. And in the book, there are two stories 
about two such psychics who've had enormous influence on me in my life, and all is that I can say. I don't know whether or not, Julie, I believe in it, but I know it happened to me, so I have to believe in the fact that it happened to me. So is is life something that is predestined? I have no idea. All I know is that life is a gift. You are not given a purpose. You are given a life. You are given a free mind. And with that free mind, you create your own purpose. But all I know is the happiest people I've ever met in my life who have something or someone that they love so much that they love to get up the next day to see that person or to do that work. Now, for me, it was my work because I never had that person till I accidentally met my wife in 1963. So, John, just if I may, you, you've um, very eloquently answered my question about belief, um, but taken that somewhat in terms of religion. And then you've gone on to say that um, you don't believe that life is kind of pre-planned or predisposed for you, but um, there's also part of you that... that um, believes or is open-minded to believe in the work of psychics so to me as somebody not knowing you very, you know at all well and uh, listening in i might find that contradictory so how do you explain the, the contradiction well there is no contradiction of the, of the con- i mean one fact is a fact i don't be- i don't know whether life's predestined or not i can't imagine that it's predestined Except in my case, it might be because my life turned out fantastically, even though I don't plan, didn't plan it that way. So I but can't that, that's say. That's the possibility of it being kind of pre-planned, isn't it? That your life might be. So there yeah, yes, because there are there are stories in the book, Julia. I mean, when I was trying to make the first garrison tapes, I needed two hundred thousand dollars, and where was I going to get two hundred thousand dollars? Even though I tried to sell sell my house and as if by magic within hours it showed up now i'm not going to tell you the story i'm not going to tell you the story on the phone but the story is in the book and it's unbelievable and all that anybody could say is my god john barber was blessed either that or jim garrison was blessed and the ghost of jim garrison saw to it that two hundred thousand dollars in cash came into my hand so that I could tell his story. These are just facts. Well, if it was the ghost of somebody, that would be a, a belief, wouldn't it, that people live on after death and they're able to control the lives of those living. So that's well, why I'm yes, if, 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 uh, Julie, if you believe it, listen, I don't know that I believe it. You understand? All I'm telling you is it happened. So I know it happened, so that is true. That this money magically turned up in my hands, but I don't know how it turned up in my hands. That's the mystery. Yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm not disputing that, John. What I'm asking is the use of the word accident, because you've, you've talked about, you know, not quite sure about whether things are predisposed to us, but also you've mentioned um, almost um, every, every event actually as being an accident in your life, including meeting your wife. So I, I guess from somebody on this side of the ocean, it'd be, you know, the meaning of the word accident for us would be something completely um, unexpected that we, we couldn't prevent. Um, uh, you know what I would call it? I would call it metaphysical. 
I don't know how, how else to call it, even my accidental meeting to become Frank Sinatra's private writer. Again, all that was by accident. You can't plan to meet Frank Sinatra. You can't plan to meet Donald Trump. You can't believe, plan to meet anybody. They, it doesn't happen. There are too many things guarding them from your seeing them. Those things happen by accident by you living the life that you live. And for me, it was just magical that I met him, and even more magical that he liked me enough to become, so ask me to be his private writer for four and a half years. So out of all your meetings, out of all your experiences, who's the one person who kind of carved your, your future, who influenced you the most? If you had to name one, who would that be? That it's me. along the way. No, it's me. I was lucky. You know, when my main purpose in life after I was six years of age was not to be like my mother and father. I never well, we drank a... We still uh, uh, listen to me. I never drank a glass of wine because of how degrading the drinking was in my house with my mother and my uncles who used to often beat the crap out of her, Okay. So the per my purpose in life was not to be like them. And I, de I deleted my entire family at 16 when I left. And I never re-met my sister for 70 years. I just met her again last year because she wrote me a beautiful note. And I'm a sucker for beautiful writing and beautiful people. So I went to British Columbia and I met her. After 70 years, I had totally deleted her. I deleted my brother i deleted my mother and my father and i lived a very happy life the thing that kept me company was my own mind okay sorry sorry if i phrased that wrong john and and there's a mis misunderstanding no, you, you didn't phrase it wrong you just phrased it differently yeah, i have so, been the greatest influence on my own life and i am and right now you know what when I, when I when i was a youngster for example uh, let me qualify that the reason John, I got into television, hold on, let me, let me, I, that wasn't the question I asked, no, that's what I meant about the misunderstanding, so we all, we're all, I could say that I'm the greatest influence in my own life, because I control what happens in my life, I make choices, I, I act on my own free will. That's right, now you probably, like me, had heroes, as a kid, my heroes were Jimmy Stewart and Frank Capra, but as I got older, you, uh, you probably never heard of Jack Parr. Jack Parr was the most popular late-night talk show host in America, better than Johnny Carson, better than all of them. And the reason I admired Jack Parr, because on television, he used to have wonderful, interesting conversations with intellectuals and talents. I never knew people talked to one another. I just thought people hit one another or yelled at one another. And Jack Parr used to open his show doing a stand-up monologue. That's why I became a comic. I never thought anything was impossible. And I ended up getting a number of talk shows. He was my hero. Edward R. Murrow, the greatest newsman in America, was my hero. I could name you from America, from the time of the Founding Fathers to 1960, I could name you 20 or 25 very prominent Americans who were supreme, supreme 
people in my life. They were a supreme influence because they were so bright, they were so human, they were so real. I challenge anybody in this country today, in 2019, to find one person in American television that you would want your son or daughter to grow up and be like. Can you find one person in American politics you want your son and daughter to grow up and be like? I can find no one. Now, it sounds to me like you're in the British Isles, so I don't know what it is like in the British Isles. But in this country, there are no more heroes. And they've murdered them. A Central Intelligence Agency murdered Robert Kennedy. They probably murdered John, uh, John Lennon. And they unquestionably murdered Martin Luther King. And that was proven in a Georgia court. Okay, I, th I, th I suppose it was just really me thinking about you know the most prominent influence that somebody's had on you. Um, not, not, sorry, that's badly worded. Um, but you know, we all have some. We have everybody around us, don't we? We we, we take those learnings and we under, we try and understand them. And, and and if we if we incorporate them in our own lives and our, and our beliefs, and then that's great. And if we choose not to, we don't. So it's really about who had the single most um, influence on on you. And, you know, I love what comes out of my mind. And when I wrote my book, I must tell you, many times I thought I was channeling Mark Twain. And uh, uh, there was so, you know, there was a time in America. Belief, John. There was a time in America, Julie, when books had an influence on the American public and on, my, on American life. The reason that we have clean food in this country is because a man named Atkins Sinclair in the teens wrote a book about meatpacking called The Jungle that improved the quality of our food. The reason we're interested in the environment is a young woman by the name of Rachel Carlson wrote a book called The Silent Spring so that we became aware of pollution in our environment. That does not happen in America anymore. Americans do not read they only tweet. They have no intellectual curiosity. There, there, you know, there was a time when Albert Stein, Einstein was the most per, famous person in America, and Carl Sagan on PDS talking about the universe was the most popular person in America. Listen, when I created Real People, it changed the face of American television and improved America, more so than did 60 Minutes in 30 years. Now, when I created Real People and it got on the air again by accident, you had to have a modicum of talent in those days. You had to have a modicum of intelligence or even personality. I was dubbed the godfather of reality television by the best critic in America. His name was Gary Deeb. He was syndicated in the Chicago Tribune. He said of American television, American television is the only industry in America where competition does not improve the product. He dubbed me the godfather of reality television. And I take pride in that because we had the most popular show in American television. We changed laws in America. We used to have half of all the viewers. We got 20,000 pieces of mail a week, more so than any show in the history of television. But... If you are intelligent today and you have a modicum of talent today, 
it is almost impossible to get into American television, which is owned by six major corporations, which are shills for the industrial military-industrial complex, which is creating all these fake wars for us to fight. Jim Garrison said, Russia, the Cold War was a fake war. The Russians lost 25 million people. They were no threat. The threat was peace because Eisenhower warned about it. In his departure speech, he said, we have to watch out for the military-industrial complex. The next fake war was Vietnam. And, of course, the last one was Iraq. But now there are no more fake countries to attack. Iran and Venezuela are no more danger to America than Catalina. It's all a fraud. So they invent fake terrorists. But where do the terrorists live? They could live in Utah. They could live in Great Britain. That means they're free to attack anywhere. America is a shambles and a shadow of the country that I became a citizen of. But there's still hope because there are thousands of talented, dedicated people in this country hoping for a better life and a better country. So, so now you're going to be uh, signing books at a bookstore here in Los Angeles. Tell us about that. Oh, my gosh. The name of the bookstore. I love, I love this, Elle. The name of the bookstore is The Last Bookstore, and it's on Spring Street in Los Angeles. It's on May 23rd from uh, 7 o'clock to 9.30 at night, and I truly, truly look forward to it because a couple of weeks ago I was in Los Angeles, and I was in one of the most popular radio shows in Southern California. It was a Tim Conway Jr. show. Are you familiar with it? No. Tim, well, you know who Tim Conway was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is his son. He has the most popular radio, uh, a nighttime radio show in Los Angeles and KFI. And I was on it. And then the following day, I was at the L.A. Book Fair and a bunch of people at uh, L.A. Times book fair and a bunch of people showed up and then also I did an hour on Pacifica radio and it went so well what they're going to do is they're going to put together a double set DVD of the Garrison tapes and by the way Al you can go to my site www.johnbarbersworld.com and you can see the first Garrison tapes for nothing and then you can also find a link to the second film, which is called The American Media and the Second Assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's only $2 on Amazon. It's a monster runaway hit, and it has been called by the experts the definitive film on the murder of John Kennedy and the birth and purpose of fake news. And then also there's a link to my book, Your Mother's Not a Virgin. And I don't say this lightly, Al, when I say to you, it'll... It's a must-read book. I mean, if you're interested in show business and famous people and great stories about them, they're in that book. If you're interested in the history of the media and the decline of the American culture and politics, this is a must-read. But most of all, if you've had a troubled life and you're still struggling to get by, this is an absolute and total must-read. It is this great Canadian rags to American Rich's story. And the reviews, you can go to Amazon and you can read the reviews and decide for yourself if it's the kind of book that you would want to read. 
Well, fantastic. Now, we're going to have that posted on our website. We'll have your book up there, a link to your website as well. Um, and um, I think that's 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 great. What have you What have you got planned now? Are you Are you going to do any more writing, or or is this kind well, of well? The, the the thing with me, Al, is if I'm not doing something physically or mentally, I cannot function. I just cannot stop. Uh, now you know, or most people know, that uh, after JFK, the movie JFK, the uh, Congress passed the uh, Records Assassination Act. And everything was supposed to be released last October, but Donald Trump caved into the CIA and decided not to release it because of national security. Now, I don't know how a 55-year-old murder can affect America's national security, but the truth is the CIA has no files that say this is how we killed the son of a bitch. They talk in code. What they do not want released are the garrison files. There are 67 boxes of the garrison files with the Central Intelligence Agency that names names and tells how much money shooters were paid and everything else. I have those 67 boxes. And since the President of the United States has caved into the CIA, I've decided that I owe it to the country that they gave me a great life and a great family to try to tell the truth about Jim Garrison's story. So I am now releasing those 67 boxes of the garrison tapes, if you go to my site, www.johnbarbersworld.com, and just Google the garrison files, I have just released the first four. First of all was Clay Shaw, because he was the one that brought to trial, and then Lee Harvey Oswald, and then two on David Ferry. And I'm about to release the next one in two more weeks, but... When I interviewed Jim Garrison on September 5th, 1981, and I asked him, I said, Sir, if you were the Attorney General of the United States, who would you arrest? Right away, he said, Fred Lee Chrisman. Well, most people, even the assassination community, have never heard of him. It's startling. So that will be the next file that will be released. And the file that I just released, guess what Garrison did? Garrison took all the phone records and tracked them to a ferry and Shaw and Ruby and tracked them to a guy named Lawrence V. Myers in Chicago. And it turns out that Lawrence V. Myers, according to the Warren Report, is talking to Jack Ruby the day before he murders Lee Harvey Oswald. And Garrison's conclusion is that the man who ordered the murder of Jack Ruby was Lawrence V. Myers. Now, that's simple CSI detective work, and it was not done by anybody in the media, and it was not done by the Warren Commission, but it was done by Jim Garrison, and he was probably right. You can see that all in the last file, which was released this, this week. So, again, it's serendipity that I might be talking to you and Julie today. Well, we appreciate it, John, and uh, we look forward to that. So thank you very much for being on the show. Oh, listen, I'm delighted. Thanks to you and Julie. I'm so thrilled that, first of all, you're a fellow Canuck, and secondly, that you guys do such an important and interesting show. It's a great platform. I'm on my way to Canada in about three weeks. I hope to stay there for a month. And when I get back, I'd love to do your show again. Fantastic. 
To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.